today. Is the United States banking system on the verge of collapse? Illegal immigrants storm their way into El Paso, and Joe Biden is proposing federal legislation to force states to allow doctors to perform child sex change operations. We've got all of that and more coming up, and it all starts right now. Welcome to the news and why it matters. I am Sarah Gonzalez and uh, late Friday news broke of the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank. This is the 16th largest banking system in the country, a bank that has done business with like nearly half of all United States venture capital backed startups. Uh, Kind of a big deal, right? Then over the weekend, the FDIC announced that not only would they be taking over Silicon Valley Bank, freezing withdrawals and temporarily closing branches, they said they were also seizing control of Signature Bank to protect its depositors and the stability of the U.S. financial system. Now, that marks the second and third largest bank failure in United States history, respectively. And it's left many wondering, how did this happen? Should I be a little concerned? And what should I expect next? Well, Joe Biden held a brief press conference earlier today. And while he didn't take any questions, he assured the country that everything is safe, no cause for concern, customers will get access to their funds, and taxpayers won't be financially responsible for this. Watch. Today, thanks to the quick action of my administration over the past few days, Americans can have confidence that the banking system is safe. Your deposits will be there when you need them. Small businesses across the country, the deposit accounts at these banks can breathe easier knowing they'll be able to pay their workers and pay their bills. And their hardworking employees can breathe easier as well. And as usual, he blamed Donald Trump, saying his deregulations are what caused the collapse. Watch. And finally, we must reduce the risk of this happening again. During the Obama-Biden administration, we put in place tough requirements on banks like Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank, including the Dodd-Frank law to make sure that the crisis we saw in 2008 would not happen again. Unfortunately, the last administration rolled back some of these requirements. Yeah, um... Forgive me if I don't take this doddering old man at his word. So we're going to fact check that here today. Here to help me do that are uh, Chad Prather, host of the Chad Prather Show, Lieutenant Colonel Alan West, executive director of the American Constitutional Rights Union and recovering investment banker and author of the upcoming book, You Will Own Nothing, Carol Roth. Now, uh, you know, Carol, we're, we, I, I want to hear from, from the guys here, um, but admittedly, none of us are experts in this. You are the expert um, and you are honestly the coolest former investment banker uh, that I know <laughs> and that I, I think exists. So, um, Carol, is Biden's characterization of this accurate in both um, that there's nothing to be concerned about uh, as an overview and also um, that it's Donald Trump's fault? So what you're telling me, Sarah, is hearing Biden come out and say, do not make you do not be worried, does not necessarily instill the confidence <laughs> that you were hoping for. Is yeah, that, is that no. the correct takeaway? There? That's correct. 
I mean, listen, what the Fed and the Treasury did uh, and put out the press release on last night was meant to allay some fears to say that we are going to back up depositors. It wasn't a traditional bank bailout. The shareholders are not going to be saved. The management was shown the doors. But it was meant to say, don't go pull your money out of the bank because there's going to be a systemic collapse. Now, whether or not the American public believes in that, whether he did instill that confidence, I think is, you know, remains to be seen. We'll see that, you know, in the days and and weeks and months to come. But I think for the time being, they did do their job. They probably should have jumped on this before the panic, but that's sort of a typical politician thing to wait till after there's an issue to be solved and then and then to jump in. I call it, you know, they are the arsonists who set your house on fire and now they're coming with the water and putting out the fire going, look at us, we put out the fire that we caused. Um, so that gets to the second question that you're asking is, is this Donald Trump's fault? I think there are a lot of folks to blame in this um, that relate to both the Federal Reserve and the government, which, by the way, started before Donald Trump was in office. But two points I would make, you know, Joe Biden is has been president for a while. If he felt like there was systemic issues in the banking system, why have we not heard about this before then? If this was you know such a serious problem, you probably should have brought it up before you had you know a situation where you had a bunch of bank failures the other piece of this is that signature bank which was that second bank that they closed the, the third bank closure in a few days but the, the the second one that they closed within a couple of days um, sitting on their board of directors is a man named Barney Frank mm-hmm. who was the architecture architect of the Dodd Frank banking (laughs) rules and regulations that he claimed rolling those back was an issue. So if the guy who created those rules still had a bank that failed while he was sitting on the board of directors, maybe that wasn't the full crux of the problem here. Yeah. um, So I want you, I want to just pretend for a second that like I am completely, uh, my computer's talking here, that I'm, I'm just completely illiterate and I know nothing about uh, the financial system, which honestly is not too far from the truth. Like I, I have, I have, a, you know, uh, a financial advisor and I just kind of take his advice and I'm like, yeah, sure. Uh, my husband talks about this, you know, all the time. And I'm like, I'm going to pretend like I understand exactly what you said. So let's pretend for a second, like I'm really dumb when it comes to the financial system. Can you explain in like the most basic terms how this happened? What? What? How, why did? Why did Silicon Valley Bank just collapse? Right? Why is Signature Bank all the, they? They just ran out of money. How, how does this happen? All right, I'm going to do you a solid. I'm going to actually pretend that Chad is the one that's financially okay. illiterate. No, Shoot, that's how I should have set that up. Carol, you're 100% correct. I'm like, I'm, maybe I'm the only one that, that is willing to admit it, but like a lot of people <laughs> hear these things and they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I understand. I really don't understand it, so please help me. I mean, Chad doesn't and, understand it. Not at all. No, and this- this is a different situation because it's not the same as the Great Recession financial crisis. So the best way I can explain it is we had the Federal Reserve uh, interfering in the market for the greater part of 15 years. They've been artificially suppressing interest rates and they have been putting out easy money for everyone. Um, they started to, to move in a different direction, but then COVID came around and that was used as a crisis that couldn't go to waste. And again, more money printing, uh, bringing those interest rates back down to zero. 
So everybody was flush with cash. Uh, Silicon Valley was, you know, making deals and investing in startups. And so these startups in Silicon Valley and other small businesses had a lot of money and they invested those as deposits in the bank, just like you would go and open up an account in the, in the bank. Businesses do the same thing. And there was so much money that Silicon Valley Bank uh, increased their deposits by like a factor of three times mm -hmm. over 2019 to 2021. So flush with depositor cash. The challenge for them is that they didn't have enough loans that they could make with that cash. Everybody had been getting plenty of, of available loans for a long time, and they couldn't match up those loans um, you know, with, with the amount of cash they were taking in. So they had all this extra cash, and they said, we need to do something with it. So they decided to invest it. And here's where the mistake happened. And it's still, I, there's something wrong with this because it still doesn't make any sense. So basically, they said, we're going to invest in what we consider to be non-risky securities, things like treasury securities and mortgage-backed securities, which are, are typically considered you know, lower risk securities and kind of foundational um, you know, from the, the debt and bond side of the financial system. But instead of investing them for a year or three years or even five years, they locked down interest rates for 10 years, okay? Mm -hmm. And this is a bank. They know that the Federal Reserve, who's been you know, holding down interest rates and that all this money that they were going to be printing should potentially have some sort of issue, which we all saw in terms of inflation, and have to change course or at least anticipate that. So when the Federal Reserve changed course and they had to start raising interest rates, which we're all feeling, it did a couple of things. Um, the first thing is that some of the depositors said, well, you know, I can get a higher interest rate, maybe investing in a treasury security than I have it, from the, the deposit money I'm getting at Silicon Valley Bank. So I'm going to pull that out. Um, and maybe they needed some more from operations. So they were getting more people pulling the money out that was anticipated. And they had locked up all of this money for 10 years. So why don't they just sell that? Well, when the Fed raises interest rates, bonds and their interest rates trade in inverse. Mm. So what happens when interest rates go up? The bond prices go down. If you hold them till they mature, 10 years, it doesn't matter. You get the, the full phased value, not what they're trading at in the market, plus the interest. But if you have to sell them because, oh, by the way, people are pulling money out of the bank at the faster than you've anticipated, now you are incurring a loss. Mm -hmm. And this was the liquidity issue that they had is that they ended up having this mismatch and they had to sell these treasuries that they had locked up for so long at a loss, which again, the president of their bank sat on the board of the San Francisco Fed. So the fact that he couldn't have anticipated this doesn't make sense, but that's basically um, what happened. And this should have been handled privately and ahead of time. They should have gone to the Fed and the government and some deal made so that there wasn't this liquidity issue. We didn't cause this panic, but you know it did. And oh, by the way, since there were so many small businesses that had invested that exceeded the FDIC um, insurance limit, that once they heard that there could be a problem here with the bank, that, oh, you know, they're having a liquidity issue, they went, well, I've got all this money that isn't you know covered by FDIC insurance. I better pull it out. And they're such a tight knit group of people, word spread. And that's what caused the bank run that we had that, you know, kind of created this panic and contagion.
question. Does that make sense? It does. It do- I, I, Chad appreciates it. I mean, Chad appreciates you. Uh, <laughs> Chad, Chad, does that make sense? <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, 30 seconds in, it was white noise, but whatever. <laughs> Um, so I want to I want to ask you one last question um, here, Carol. How worried should the average American be who has their money in, you know, say another whatever Bank of America, just another bank that, you know, I guess FDIC insured. I, w- I hope no one is banking with with systems that aren't. But how concerned should uh, the American public be? Yeah, so I think this is a good time to get to know the people in your financial institutions. If you work with a a traditional bank, FDIC is going to be the one providing the insurance. If you're working with a credit union, it's NCUA. Um, It's a good time to call them and say, hey, based on the way my accounts are structured, am I covered? Have I exceeded any limits? Do I have the right account structure for this protection? The same thing if you have any securities. Securities should be covered by SIPC. So just give your bank a call um, and and have that conversation to give you the peace of mind. And then hopefully what they did will calm things down a bit. Um, But, you know, you just never know. We have uh, the agent of chaos that is Twitter and social media and lots of people who are rooting for, you know, the financial system to burn down quickly instead of slowly. Um, So I'd say for now, just, you know, prepare, but don't panic. So go through those steps. And then from a long-term standpoint, point, you're going to want to make sure that you have at least a portion of your portfolio hedged in a form factor that you can control. Hard assets, things like precious metals, things like real estate and land, things that you have a little bit more control over. Make sure you talk to your financial advisor, make sure that that's part of a portfolio and that you have a hedge because you know this is kind of step one. There are a lot of longer term issues, things like central bank digital currencies, CBD that this could be used as a cover story for, you know, the Fed saying, oh, well, you know, there can be no bank runs if there are no banks. Let us control all the money. Mm-hmm. They're already starting to have conversations around these things. Um, so you want to make sure, again, not to, to panic today, but to be prepared for the future. Uh, thank you so much, Carol. Tell everyone where they can find you. Uh, on Twitter at Carol J.S. Roth. And if you're interested um, in that new book that you talked about, Sarah, You Will Own Nothing that comes out in July, go to carolroth.com slash nothing. And we're going to have some cool pre-order bonuses coming in the next uh, week or two. So drop me your email and I'll send you a note and let you know all about it. Awesome. Thank you so much, Carol. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. Good to see you guys. See ya. Um, so I, wanna, I want to, uh, you know, Carol's obviously the smart one in the room, right? But I mean, you guys are smart too. No, I'm not. not, not. I'm like, I don't don't know what I'm doing. Um, But uh, but I I want you guys to to have the ability to to give your take on this. If if this is some again, I'm learning from everyone else. So I I heard you uh, agreeing a lot with what Carol was saying, uh, Colonel. Well, someone was asleep at the wheel. Okay, when she brings out the fact that the president of uh, Silicon Valley Bank was a former member of the San Francisco Fed, yeah. then there was no excuse for this. And the other thing you read about is that they had their, their chief risk officer, that position was gapped for like six or seven months. So they weren't even paying attention to the risk that was there. And then you go and look at Signature 
Scotia Bank. The guy that wrote Dodd Frank is on your board. So why isn't he sitting there in the board meetings, you know, you know, going through all of these and doing the due diligence? Because really what happened with Dodd Frank, and, and that was back when I was in, in Congress, the small community banks were the ones that suffered the most. Mm -hmm. The big banks really did not take the hit in the shorts because they can, you know, have all the lobbyists and what have you to go up there and, and advocate for them. So I think that once again, you, you had the, the same thing that happened in 2008, you know, an offshoot of the Community Reinvestment Act, all those toxic uh, securities that were out there in the mortgage bank securities, and no one was paying attention to it. Mm -hmm. And so hopefully this contagion can be, you know, somewhat, you know, kept in check and it doesn't spread too deep. Yeah. Did you learn something today? Yeah, uh, <laughs> I love Carol. Uh, that shirt she was wearing was offensive, but whatever. Um, Blackhawks. Make sure we keep the priorities. Forget the banking and the financial institution. She had a Native American on her shirt. Why does the hockey team get to keep their name, but the football uh, team doesn't? Oh uh, well, because the owner said we're not changing our name. <laughs> <laughs> Funny how that really works. Really, as simple as that. But to that point, uh, at some point in time, uh, look, I, I like what, interestingly enough, what Joe Biden said, your your deposits will be there. I, I don't want my deposits to be there. I want my withdrawals to be there. Yeah. See, let, yeah. let's look at the nuances <laughs> of his statement. Um, we'll take your money. You, know, you might and, not be able to get it back. Don't worry. The Biden administration and the federal government is assuring you. Now, they also assured you when it came to COVID wasn't from a lab. They mm -hmm. assured you that the vaccines were going to work. They assured you that, you know, on down the line. They, so don't worry about your bank. It's going to be fine. The Biden administration guarantees it, and they're still playing the blame game. We live in a world in which we reinterpret traditional values and standards, vocabulary, language, meanings of things. They've, re they've redefined the financial world as well. So when you have modern monetary theory, which is becoming the prevailing norm in the financial systems, particularly in America, when debts are okay, deficits are okay, you don't matter, we don't need anything to back up cash, we'll just print more and we'll just keep bailing people out, you have things like this that are gonna happen on a bigger and bigger avalanche scale. Also, when you're focused more on the wokeism of the world, the LGBTQ plus things and making sure that everybody in the diversity inclusivity world, the fringiest and the cringiest among us have their safe spaces within our financial institutions. It's like having, it's like making sure the person, well, he doesn't know how to fly the plane, but he's the right color and he checks the right boxes. That's what's happening in the financial institutions as well. So as long as we're continuing to pander to the woke nonsense, we're going to continue to have stuff like this happen. Yeah. And, and to the points, the numbers. Listen, I thought I was an expert banker as soon as I learned how to deposit a check using the mobile app. <laughs> My extensive knowledge of banking is when I look at the accounts and there's money in there. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. I, I po' man got po' ways. <laughs> so I understand when the money's there. So, yeah, Joe, I want to make sure the withdrawals are there. Right, right. Right now it's a little scary. Yeah. A little bit. Um, <laughs> yeah. All right, let's uh, let's go ahead and take a quick break. Then I want to I want to come back and talk about what's going on at the southern border. I want to thank our sponsor first, Eden Pure. So uh, Eden Pure has these thunderstorm air purifiers. We have them all over my house because. Um, I, it's like, we're a zoo. We're, we're a zoo. How nasty is the problem? We're not nasty. I have a very clean house, thank you very much. Yeah, but you got them kids. We have kids. I have two ch I do everything in twos. I have two children. I have two dogs. I have two cats. Only one leopard gecko right now, but who knows uh, what I'll be, you know, suckered into later on. Point being, uh, if you've got any, you know, you got a litter box, you got maybe you're cooking things that are very pungent. Uh, maybe you have preteen children like me, and you're like, what is this smell in your room? 
room and how do I get it to go away? That's what you need Eden Pure for. They have this thunderstorm air purifier. It sends out these O3 molecules. And they actually, the molecules seek out and destroy odors. Uh, they go everywhere in the room, behind and under furniture. And they really do work. I have them all over my house, and now I can breathe freely in my own home. Uh, you can get several thunderstorms right now. You'll save $200 on an Eden Pure Thunderstorm 3-pack for whole home protection. That is three units for under $200. You can do that by going to EdenPureDeals.com, discount code Sarah, to save $200. That is EdenPureDeals.com, discount code Sarah. <laughs> Hundreds of migrants uh, stormed the border on Sunday afternoon. Uh, this is the Paso del Norte Bridge uh, from, from Juarez, Mexico. This was all near El Paso, Texas. They're storming. Here's some of this footage. Uh, you can see this is unbelievable. Wow, people with great respect for our laws, I'm sure. Uh, United States Customs and Border Protection. They said that they were using port hardening measures to temporarily stop the group from entering. Uh, and CBP has encountered more than 2.3 million illegal immigrants at the United States-Mexico border in fiscal year 2022 and more than 870,000 between October 2022 and January 2023. By the way, these people are just anticipating the end of Title 42 on May 11th. So you think it's bad now? Just wait. Um, and I want to show the uh, the show of force here that uh, dispersed the group of migrants trying to rush this port of entry. There's two lines of Mexican military uh, on the United States side. There's physical barriers, barbed wire, and, of course, a skirmish line of CBP officers in crowd control gear, as you can see. And, I mean, when the United States actually puts up a fight to stop these people from coming in, that's when you know we're in severe crisis because, you know, usually they just— walk right on in and it's not a problem. So it's nice to see we actually do have the ability to put a little bit of force in there. Uh, I want to, gentlemen, I want to get your thoughts on what is going on at the United States border, but I would like to hear first from the ever eloquent uh, Biden administration White House press secretary, Karine Jean-Pierre, on Joe Biden's border <laughs> immigration policy. Watch. What we are going to promise is that we're going to do this. We're going to move forward with a with a uh, with this kind of system, this immigration system that has been gutted, really, truly gutted by the last administration. We're going to move forward and do it in a humane way. We're going to do it in a safe way. Uh, and we're going to do it in the way that moves us forward. And so what we have been seeing, what we've been dealing with, again, is trying to fix the damage that the last administration do, did. What we have done is we've we've opened the path uh, mm -hmm. to uh, we've opened the path to, to make sure that people have a way to um, to get you know well, to come yes. through and do it in a legal <laughs> pathway that's amazing. Yeah. So that's amazing please you know it, like please. if I if I told you Sarah if I said hey you're gonna go on national television you're gonna be on CNBC or whatever that was and this is what you're gonna say this is gonna be the talking point would you be like you're really going to put me out there to say that. <laughs> I'd be like, like this absolutely is not. Be the talking point? No. On this deal, um, imagine what a hundred billion dollars of, of money sent to Ukraine could have done for all of this stuff. What if the border czar Kamala Harris had stopped cackling long enough and laid <laughs> off the marijuana and gone down there and actually visited and done her job? And and uh, see, this is this doesn't happen when Joe stops through on a layover on his way to Mexico City. They clean mm -hmm. up the streets mm -hmm. for that. Let's let's send Joe or Kamala or somebody. 
you know, Mayorkas, anybody down there when this type of thing is going on. And, and let's let's let them experience firsthand what's going on. I mean, it's almost like you got two guys at the table who talked a bit about this extensively for a couple of years of their life. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All over the place. And, and, you know, we got a governor in Texas who said, Matt, we're going to fix all of this. We're going to take care of it. We're going to push back. I mean, maybe maybe Eric Adams in New York needs to get ready for a few more busloads if this is what's going to happen. I mean, which it's like, I'd rather they be in New York than Texas, but I'd also <laughs> rather them just not be in the country I'd at all. be in Mexico. Yeah. Right. Or wherever they, they, where they right, came from. Right. Well, I mean, honestly, that's not even my concern. Maybe that's maybe that sounds maybe that sounds too, you know, hardened. They're your people. <laughs> I, I don't even, I mean, if they're from El Salvador, I, I don't, where they end up is, I'm so unconcerned with, I don't want them being able to just, just come in here in just the crowds that they've been doing. I don't think that makes me a bad person. I think that that means that I want Americans to be secure. I want Americans to be safe. Mm-hmm. And by the way, I want these people to be safe because I don't want them thinking that they can, they should take this dangerous journey. You know, uh, there was a story just the other day that some, what, didn't a, a, a boat capsized or whatever and a bunch of people ended up dead. They were trying to get here. I mean, there are all of these people who are risking their lives to come here. I would much rather they not do that. And I would much rather know that Americans are actually being kept safe and secure. I don't think that that makes me, you know, uh, the the bad guy here. No, it doesn't make you a bad guy. It makes you an American because Mm. you want to see the sovereignty of your country protected. Just the same as Chad just said, why are we sending hundreds of billions of dollars to another country to make sure that their territorial sovereignty Mm -hmm. is protected, yet we can't do it here. But what that clip just showed you, number one, is Mexico has no respect. Mm-hmm. of our yeah. border. Yeah. They have no respect of our rule of law. So there's your answer from President Obrador. The other thing it shows you is that we have no control, operational control of that border. And the third thing it shows you, look at all the single military aged males. They're in that group. Mm-hmm. Okay, these are not families or whatever. Mm-hmm. Single military aged males should not be coming across here. There's probably MS-13 and all types of different gangs and what have you. So if we're not serious about protecting the board, which when you listen to the binder, uh, this administration is not serious. <laughs> and, and, and they've had many opportunities to, to do something about it, but they continue to want to perpetuate this lie when the numbers that you just said says something completely different. Mm-hmm. And so if we don't have a presidential administration that's going to do anything, we don't have a gubernatorial administration here in Texas going to do anything, then we're screwing people. And so we have people here in Texas along a 1,250-mile border. They're living in fear. They're living in terror. Mm-hmm. And that should not be the case. I mean, for someone like me to get deployed, I don't know how many times to go protect some other country, mm-hmm. and I'm sitting here watching my own country get overrun, this is ridiculous. Hey, look at the business side of things. So last week we had two Americans that got killed in Mexico, yeah, mm-hmm. a, a Mexican that got killed, and then two others that were injured. And then, you know, we come out with some kind of a response. Dan Crenshaw releases a thing speaking in Spanish. I'm like, stop speaking in Spanish. Dan Crenshaw? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. Did you see that deal? No. Uh, stop speaking in Spanish. Speak English and let them figure it out. <laughs> okay. But then the cartels, they tie up five of their gang members and leave them for, you mm-hmm. know, us to find and say, here's the guys responsible for it. Which is, in essence, them saying, we don't want to mess up business as usual. Everybody's making money. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, the story gets swept under the rug. We're not dealing with it. Now we're on to talking about this. Again, let's let's start seeing whose pockets are being lined by this. I've said over and over again, you know, uh, Milton Friedman said a long time ago, he said, you can have a welfare state or an open border. You can't have both. And, And these big politicians, these big government politicians believe that this kind of thing is actually going to be a boost to the global economy. So as long as they believe that false sense of 
economic influx and, and you're seeing banks crash and right. open borders, we're in trouble. Yeah. Well, I, I'm glad that you said that. I know we got to go, but I'm, I'm glad that you said that in particular, because th- that's something that I, I try to get across to people so often is you don't th- the ramifications of this are not just seen now. The ramifications of this are seen like it, for decades to come of all of these people coming in that we don't have the resources to take care of them. They're going to have children. Uh, Colonel, as you pointed out, I mean, these are mostly young single men. Mm-hmm. Who knows what else we're going to be responsible for when they come here? And, you know, it's it's not just a here in the moment and here and now type thing that that this is dangerous for. I mean, this is going to be felt for a very long time unless well, I mean, I think that there's no turning back from. Right. I don't like they, they, we're hard. going to feel it. You're going to feel it. Even if we shut it off now. Even if you shut it off now. And that's why, you know, you got to get an administration with the ice that comes in and says, we got to We got to deport the folks. Yeah. Especially start with the single military age males. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then you go from there. But we can't afford another four years of this. If this administration, God help us, were to win again. You're, you're talking about the collapse of this country. Yeah, I agree. Um, all right, let's. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more. But we want to thank Scoremaster, our sponsor. So uh, you can talk about banks. Charging higher interest is obviously how banks make more money, and uh, they take a lot more of your hard-earned money. If your credit score is just mm, meh, but not great, Scoremaster is the new science in accelerating credit scores. It puts you in control of your money. So say your credit is 650, and you're borrowing maybe I don't know 500 grand to refi your home. If you start at Scoremaster, you could save over 75 grand in the interest over the life of your loan or more. That is 75 grand. That's your money, not the banks. That's the genius behind the Scoremaster three-week rule, especially now with soaring interest rates. It only takes a minute to get started. It's very easy. You can add 30 to 100 points in about three weeks, depending on your credit file. So if you're looking at uh, applying for any loan, auto lease, or credit, you got to start at scoremaster.com slash news. You can try it for free over at scoremaster.com slash news. I feel like this show should just be called, like, things are going great, um, because I've got uh, more news for you. You're talking about how the border is not secure, and we're letting all of these illegal immigrants in. You guys were talking about how much money we're sending over to Ukraine so that Ukraine can fight their war. Uh, Well, the Department of Housing and Urban Development reported over half a million Americans are currently homeless. 60% of homeless were staying in sheltered locations, emergency emergency shelters, safe havens, or transitional housing programs. Don't laugh at me. You You started sounding like Nancy Pelosi there. (laughs) Sheltered (laughs) locations, (laughs) emergency shelters. Um, 40% of homeless were in unsheltered locations such as streets, in abandoned buildings, or other places not suitable for human habitation. And between 2020 and 2022, the overall number of people experiencing homelessness increased uh, by uh, 1,996 people. This increase reflects a 3% increase in people experiencing unsheltered homelessness. And uh, so here's here, here's a very interesting stat out of all of this. Um, half of the unsheltered homeless people that we have live in California. Half. I, I thought you were describing Austin, Texas. Well, I mean, that's it's that's like where the other half is. Yeah, you, it must be right. Um, so it says. So here, let me actually break it down. So um, then, more than half of people experiencing homelessness um, in this country are from four states: California, New York, Florida, and Washington. They say Los Angeles and New York City see the highest percentage of homeless people. 
I wonder why that is. It couldn't be. It couldn't, it couldn't be the policies. I know you guys are going to tell me that it's the Democrat policies that are running these uh, these cities into the ground and causing homelessness. I'm sh- I'm sure that's not what it is. Well, there's no solution for any of them, whether it's policies, choice, or mental illness, mm-hmm. uh, and I think it's all of the above, and we can get into some subcategories there, but there's no solutions for any of those. So what you're seeing is what's happening with these bank crashes is you're seeing it happen on the human level. This, this is life crashes mm-hmm. that are happening, and people are devolving into chaos because there's no value system. We don't value human life from the unborn in the womb all the way through. Um, you know, In Canada, they're running million-dollar ads on how to commit suicide and make it a lovely experience. So... Why not have that happen here? I mean, people are free to do whatever they want to do anyway. This is America. Just let live and let live. Well, you see, what's going to happen here is we're going to see we're going to see a continue continued devolution of of the dignity of humanity, and that's okay. That's okay with them because again, they don't care. They'll make you have. They'll force you into an an unexperimented human you know medical procedure in order to go to work or fly on an airplane or whatever they may be. Go to a concert. So so why not put them out on the streets? And there's no solutions. And I promise you, not only are there no solutions out of the Biden administration, they're actually employing some of these insane people Mm. and putting them in the cabinet or on their administration staff. Yeah, true. Well, the amazing thing is that you just showed the clip earlier about the folks bum rushing uh, the bridge there in El Paso. Uh, and then they'll get on a bus and they'll go to New York and they'll get put in a three or four or five star hotel. Mm-hmm. But yet we have Americans that are here struggling to include a lot of veterans and they're just left out in the streets. Mm-hmm. So once again, we are putting everyone else ahead of our own people. We're putting everything ahead of our own people. We don't even mm-hmm. want to protect the sovereignty. We don't want to protect our people. So what is the message that this administration, and also the progressive socialist left, is sending out there to Americans? You don't matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you know, if the bank collapses, we don't care about your money. And like you said, the whole global intent to, to have us, you know, uh, succumb to, to their directives. I mean, look, at now we're, we're talking about the World Health Organization, you know, coming back to taking care of people. The World Health Organization is going to be dictating our health care policies or our COVID policies or pandemic policies. So we are really sacrificing every aspect of our sovereignty to whomever. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody's behind the curtain, Bill Gates, George Soros. <laughs> <laughs> but someone's behind the curtain and, and causing this. And if someone could just step up and say, I care about the American people. Yeah. I care about the folks on the border living in terror. I care about the folks that should not be living under a bridge. Mm-hmm. Instead of just saying, you can bum rush this country and we're gonna put you in a four or five star hotel. Yeah, yeah. it really is disgraceful. Um, all right, let's go ahead and uh, let's take a quick break. When we come back, I wanna talk about Jane Fonda, I think like admitting that she wants to murder politicians. I'm not quite sure. So I'll, I'll let you guys weigh in on it when we come back. You know, every time we talk about the show The View, I I marvel at the fact that the show is still on. Um, I don't know who watches it, and I feel like the categorization of the type of person who would find this to be, like, interesting, insightful uh, commentary, I probably would not get along with. I'll just put it that way. But uh, Jane Fonda was on The View on Friday <laughs> and they were talking about, you know, uh, the the erasure of women's rights, women's reproductive rights. They're not allowed to murder their own babies in the womb anymore. And that's horrible. Well, what's a woman? 
<laughs> well, I can, I can we tell have, you what a woman how can is. We have Women's History Month. Did they say there are no women? I, I, it doesn't make sense to me either. Well, I can gave tell the you International Courage Award to, to a, man. a man. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's a know. fair point. I know. You you know what, guys? You worked on the patriarchy for a long time, and congratulations, you finally did it. You have completely taken I'm over. A, listen, you know what? Men do everything better than women, including being a woman. <laughs> Apparently. Yeah, that Title IX yeah. stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so Jane Fonda, uh, they were talking about it, and, you know, they're talking, well, how, what, what do we do? And she's like, murder. And the reaction that she gets from the co-host is pretty priceless. Watch. We have experienced many decades now of having agency over our body, of being able to determine when and how many children to have. We know what that feels like. We know what that's done for our lives. We're not going back. I don't care what the laws are. We're not going back. That's the activist. That's Jane speaking. Yeah. And, and, and she probably will get a Nobel Prize. But it's the very, truth. Very, very soon. It, it is the truth. But we're I, not going to do it. Besides, besides marching and, and protesting, what else do you suggest? Well, well it doesn't happen murder. overnight. It's not a miraculous. <laughs> what did you say? Murder. <laughs> She's kidding. Wait a second. She's just now, kidding. Don't say that. That's oh, not... you don't know. They'll pick up on that and yeah, just run with it. Yeah, that's the worst. She's Joking. just kidding. It's... Well, let me talk to you about the activism. Let's move on and talk about Jane's activism. Is she? Well, Is she? kind of interpret her facial expression through all the plastic surgery. <laughs> I'm sure that every, I'm sure she's very thankful for Lily Tomlin throwing her under the bus. Said, "What was that? What, yeah, what, what wait, was what that? did you say? You know, and of course, Joy, she's not wrong, and they're going to pick up again. It's always everybody else's fault. Yeah. They're going to pick up on that. You just said murder, right? <laughs> I mean, you said it. We're going to pick up on it. Yeah, and yeah, we're going to drag you for it. I just feel like the Democrat Party should just go ahead and admit that they are basically a death cult." They, I mean, are. they are. They like they're they're adv- they're advocating for. I mean, I guess they can claim that she's joking. She doesn't look like she's joking. I don't know why she cares so much. She's clearly not capable of reproducing herself or getting pregnant. So I don't know what the issue is. But um, you're talking about murdering innocent life in the womb. You're talking about, uh, as Chad mentioned earlier in the show, assisted suicide, and they're trying to to make it easier to do that. You're talking about forcibly injecting people with things that you know may or may not cause them to uh, die suddenly. You're talking about leading kids into this transgender lifestyle where they are more prone to suicide and depression and all of these things. I mean, it's like, when are you guys just going to admit you are just a death cult now? It's their ideological agenda. And if you don't agree with that, you don't deserve to live. Right. That's exactly what she just said. And so when you lay down, as you just articulated, uh, they want to kill you in the womb. They want to kill you outside the womb. They want to kill you before you mm-hmm. are ready to, to mm-hmm. die. Uh, and it's it's. <laughs> It's just repulsive what she just said. But the thing is this. Think about the congressional baseball players that were out there. Someone dehumanized Republicans to the point where a Bernie Sanders supporter said, I'm getting my gun. I'm going to drive from Illinois, Indiana, and I'm going to go shoot Republicans. Mm -hmm. Now, what Jane Fonda just said, there's this group out there, Jane's Revenge. Mm -hmm. They've been going out firebombing pro-life advocacy centers. Now they're going to say, oh, well, Jane Fonda, the great person who stood there with the North Vietnamese Army while my brother was in Vietnam, she she says, we can go out and just, just murder you guys. So 
Do you remember back when they made a big deal out of the Trump meme where he was wrestling mm -hmm. with the CNN mm -hmm. logo on mm -hmm. someone's head? And they, they said, if anything happens to a journalist, then that's on Trump's shoulders. Mm -hmm. He needs to bear that responsibility. So you're exactly right. Mm -hmm. If this were to happen, would she be held accountable? Of course she wouldn't, because it was just a joke. Right. Well, or that, that play. Remember that play in New York where it was like the Julius Caesar where they were just oh, stabbing, yeah. you know, yeah, Donald Mark, Trump. Yeah. Look, absolutely. Yeah. No, no care. Or Madonna stand up and right. say, Sometimes I feel like I just want to blow up the White House. Right, right. Yeah, I, and it's just so frustrating to watch. They, they, so first they create these like unlivable standards that they expect the rest of us to live by. Mm -hmm. uh, you're not allowed to have a past. You're not allowed to say something stupid as a child. You know, you're not like you're you are not allowed to do any of these things or we will cancel you from society. But they never intend to live by those rules that they give for all of us. Right. They just they just give themselves passes for everything. And I guess because the media is is carrying their water, there's just never any sort of repercussions. Well, just think about your your son right now. Mm -hmm. If there is a kid in his school that says, I want to be identified with my chosen pronoun, but your son says, I'm not calling you that. Right. I'm going to call you, you know, Otis or, right. or Jane. Right. Then your son's in trouble. Right. Right. Yeah. That's crazy. I chose not yeah. to use your nickname. Yeah. Right. Know? Right. Um, oh, don't be trying that with my son. You don't want me over there in the principal's office. No. You do not. No. Let me make that clear. No, I don't want to be sitting at this table with you. It's a whole other <laughs> deal. But I mean, you know, it's the old adage. I mean, what if you flip that around? What if she said that about black people? You know, what if anybody said? Any, you pick, pick your, pick well, your group. Well, no. How about this? I mean, flip it around and say that you know uh, Donald Trump Jr. or someone who was a member of the right had said that jokingly. Yeah. Oh, he's done. Right. What would the, what would the headlines be like? Remember when Sarah Palin uh, filmed the commercial or whatever she did the ad, and they had the crosshairs, and they were like, "Oh my God, she's advocating for violence because she used this symbol oh, that was God. in the graphic. I mean, listen, she's targeting back, people." Uh, there's still that nondescript photo of of Donald Trump standing next to Jeffrey Epstein. You know, I, again, oh, he's automatically a pedophile. Got to be. I mm -hmm. mean, they they they're going to jump on anything mm -hmm. and automatically make you guilty by association. But the fact that she says, "Yeah, you should murder pro-life politicians," mm -hmm. it's the same as Maxine Waters and, and whoever else yeah. said, "Well, you yeah. need to harass them in the restaurants yeah. and drive them out of society." Right. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, I want to remind everyone, if you have not yet done so, make sure that if you're watching on YouTube, guys, I know some people, they, I was joking and I said, if you guys are a freeloader watching on YouTube, just make sure that you subscribe and comment. And they're like, I take personal offense to you calling me a freeloader. I'm just joking. It's what I do. You Ooh. should be used to that by now. Why you're, you might wow. be a freeloader, but we still love you. <laughs> we appreciate I you. I value my viewers. I yeah. value my viewers too. Yeah. I mean, let me be real. I don't get the Blaze subscription money. I'm a, well, I don't even. What get, do I care? I don't even, I'm, I'm kidding. On the I'm kidding. I don't even. Oh, seems like an I'm employee kidding. management dispute <laughs> going on. I don't here. even I'm get kidding. a free. <laughs> I don't even get a free Blaze subscription. You I don't? Pay, no, I pay for mine. You know why? Because they never offered it to me. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, all that to say, gosh. I love you. I'm just joking with you guys. Don't take offense. It's just a joke. But if you are here and you are freeloading, make sure that you uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel and uh, hit that like button. I just said gently tap the like button. You don't have to smash it. You can just tap it and uh, make sure to comment so that more people can watch this video. We'll be right back. Freeloaders. <laughs> Oh,
A preview of a new episode of The Daily Show shows uh, Joe Biden suggesting that federal legislation would be proposed to uh, prevent states from restricting the medical transitioning of minors. Watch. Transgender kids is a really harder thing. What's going on in Florida is, as my mother would say, close to sinful. I mean, it's just terrible what they're doing. Mm. It's not like, you know, a kid wakes up one morning and says, you know, I decided I want to become a man or I want to become a woman or I want to change. No, that I is mean, what, 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 what are they thinking about here? Mm. They're human beings. They love, they have feelings, they have inclinations. They're being abused by I their mean, parents. It, it just to me is, uh-huh. I don't know, it, it's cruel. Uh-huh. And the way we do it is we make sure we pass legislation uh-huh. like we passed on same-sex marriage. You mess with that, you're breaking the law, There's and no you're going to be held accountable. same-sex marriage. I, so, I'm going to let you guys talk. I, I need to compose myself. We've only got 40 seconds left. Who wants to take a stab at it? Well, he's right. There are nuances to that. <clears throat> like, for instance, whenever uh, the medical community says that a parent can't stop a child mm-hmm. after mm-hmm. they have stated their expressed desires to be another gender, uh, that's problematic. And if you try to step into that, of course, we've learned what happens when you do your education and speak up, you're domestic terrorists. So. I would call uh, cruel chopping off children's genitals and breasts. Absolutely. You're mutilating kids. And Isaiah 520 talks about the time when good will be called evil and evil will be called good. Mm-hmm. Joe Biden's talking about this yeah this is it we're living in that time thank you guys thanks for having us stream and subscribe to more blaze media content at theblaze.com slash podcasts